my name is Steve, and it's a privilege to be standing before you. Um, thank you, Philip, for reading those words from 1 Kings, and we will get back to that in a moment. But first of all, I need to introduce to you, introduce to you, introduce you to a new series of sermons that we start this very day, which you might want to refer to as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but please don't be confused with the New Testament writings of St. Paul and others on this topic. There is a hymn which is thought to have been written in the ninth century, and I'm not going to try and sing it to you. You'd be pleased to know. But some of the words go like this. Come, Holy Ghost, our souls inspire, and lighten with celestial fire. Thou the anointing spirit art, who dost thy sevenfold gifts impart. That hymn speaks, speaking as it does, of the sevenfold gifts referred to. They're referred to in Isaiah chapter 11, 1 to 3, which now miraculously are going to appear on your screen. Isaiah 11, 1 to 3. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. He will, de he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Thank you, Lord, for those precious words. From these verses, we get a list of qualities or gifts associated with the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, counsel or right judgment, fortitude or courage, knowledge, piety or reverence, and lastly, fear of the Lord. But please notice that verse 1 of that reading refers to a shoot that will come from the stump of Jesse. From his root a branch will bear fruit. Now just to explain if you're not already aware, Jesse was King David's son. And a descendant of both Jesse and David was of course what did I say? I'm getting, I'm getting gesticulations from the back row here. Let me read it again. Jesse was King David's father. All right? Should we start again? Jesse. It's, it's what it says here, but I read it wrongly. Jesse was King David's father. And a descendant of both Jesse and David was, of course, Jesus. Oh, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, you could check that up in Matthew chapter 1 if you're so interested. This passage from Isaiah would seem to be a prophecy about Jesus. And therefore, it would be Jesus who is going to be receiving all of these spiritual gifts. 
However, over time, this passage has been given special significance. Some Christians accept these are a list of specific qualities that Jesus will uniquely possess, but others have come to understand these qualities or attributes as being evidence of the Holy Spirit in all who follow Jesus. And that means us. And so our series of seven sermons are going to be following that list. And it falls to me to start off by speaking to you about wisdom. Short straw? No, let's leave it like that. So, it's my task to unwrap this issue of wisdom, the starting point for us, uh, both in the series, and we start this morning remembering the words that Philip brought to us from 1 Kings, in which we learn that Solomon humbly asked God, recognising his own inadequacy, because he was facing an enormous challenge of being king of Israel. And he said, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I'm only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out such duties. What Solomon asked for was not personal stuff to bolster his own ego and status, he humbly asked God to equip him so that he could do his job well. And that request was pleasing to God. And so God said that he would give Solomon a wise and discerning heart. And over his lifetime, Solomon was a good king who oversaw great advancement in the nation. He was an inspiring leader. Especially, he gained a reputation for wisdom. My dictionary tells me that wisdom is the ability to think and act through knowledge, experience, understanding, and insight. Hmm. So, this morning I want to look at three headings. Wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and experience, and then wisdom and faith. Not understanding and insight, like that dictionary said, but wisdom and faith. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Wisdom that comes through learning or knowledge. There's a question mark in my mind about that, if I'm honest. Knowledge and learning informs you that tomato is a fruit, but wisdom advises that you should not put it in a fruit salad. Correct? Well, for most of us, anyway. There's always some weird people. Most people in our era would agree that one of the signs of our times is the vast increase in knowledge. Our understanding and advancement in all areas is, is vast. Since the beginning of the internet, just, which is not that long ago, I wouldn't be surprised if I was told that we have knowledge which is presented to us in one day which is more than a whole year's worth of knowledge 50 years ago. How do we cope with that sort of input? 
course, the increase in knowledge doesn't affect everybody equally. There are some who choose to remain blissfully ignorant. A young boy once approached his father saying, Dad, why does the wind blow? And the father responds, I don't know, son. Dad, where do clouds come from? Well, I'm not sure, son. Dad, what makes a rainbow? Oh, I've no idea, son. Dad, do you mind me asking you all these questions? No, not at all, son. How else are you going to learn? <laughs> Knowledge is a good thing to have, don't you think? I mean, just there's so much to take in. Do you know, I, this might sound a little bit trivial, but because of some amazingly clever people who can write computer programs, I spent a whole 20 seconds of my time on Friday morning discovering that there are 209 references to the word wisdom in the Bible and that there are 238 references to the word wise. And that took 20 seconds. I didn't look them all up. <laughs> knowledge is a good thing to have. Knowledge of science, knowledge of electronics, knowledge of technology, knowledge of biology and medicine. The list goes on and on. We live in an age that is it's vastly different from even when I was born, which was just after the Second World War. Imagine how much greater is our accumulated knowledge from, say, when St. Paul was a lad. It's, it's just beyond our ability to think about it. Has it led to greater wisdom? Knowledge alone is not enough. For knowledge to be used appropriately, we've got to have wisdom. One quote I read was, knowledge comes from what we've studied, wisdom comes from using what we know with wrong results. In other words, we gain wisdom from getting it wrong. That's quite true, isn't it? For knowledge to be useful, wisdom must be applied. The problem is that most of the world uses its knowledge without wisdom or based upon wisdom from the world without God. The prosperous bits of the world use a form of wisdom that wears blinkers and is self-serving. That's the opposite of wisdom. With all of the knowledge he's accumulated, mankind thinks that he is as good, if not better, than God. Is that not true all around us? There's no wisdom in that. So knowledge is used for the wrong reasons and with wrong motives. And with no thought given to consequences, perhaps that's actually an epitaph for much that is wrong with our world today. from pollution to war to conflict to politics from disease to malnutrition much of the world it, all over the world it, there's crime that is through the through the roof there's corruption 
And so it goes on. That's about using knowledge without wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says this. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the, of the holy is understanding. The Apostle Paul, I'm paraphrasing 2 Timothy chapter 3 here. The Apostle Paul even warns Timothy that in the last days, what a prophetic statement, in the last days, knowledge would be ever increasing, but that man would never be able to find the truth because he refuses to believe the source of all truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. Did he not? So, wisdom and knowledge do not usually mix well. So what about the interaction between wisdom and experience? He was not an educated person, but he was wise. When I um, started doing funerals, not long after I was ordained, that's what was said to me about an elderly gentleman who had passed away, and his family looked upon him with certain sort of um, reverence almost, um, and this elderly gentleman had developed a kind of a benign attitude or oversight to life that his family saw as being a virtue. He was not an educated man, but he was wise. And that kind of trips off the tongue quite nicely. I came across that same sense of respect of, an, of, a, of a departed elderly person the more I did funerals. And as you... Most of you know I was a hospital chaplain for many years, and that meant that I had a vast number of funerals to do. When I interviewed, fa interviewed families, I would be told similar things. Oh, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't an educated man, but he was wise. And he, I even found myself actually offering that phrase to a family, and they'd say, oh, that's great, yeah, yes, use that, please. Not an educated man, but wise. That's kind of a popular choice of words and it kind of sums up what people are feeling. But is it true? Is that wisdom? Does wisdom grow with collected experience? Are old people always wise? Sorry, I'm not looking at you, Peter. Are old people automatically wise? Nobody has been through exclusively good stuff in their lives, have they? Some folk in their lives, through ignorance, naivety, make the same mistakes over and over again. Is that not true? I've got to put my hand up to that. The accumulated life experience of an aged person is just as likely to unearth 
blinkeredness and prejudice. Not wisdom, not always wisdom. It can show up if you stop and look at a, a life's existence in a person, their collected um, life story, you may often come across narrow-mindedness and obstinacy. That's not wisdom either. I'm not looking at anybody there either, I promise you. But I have to say that worldly experience on its own does not always produce wisdom. Life experience may produce narrow-filled insight, but not wisdom. So having excluded knowledge and experience as the principal and reliable sources of wisdom, what about wisdom and faith? A reading this morning speaks about King Solomon who gained his wisdom because he was given it. It was a gift of God. This section of scripture is followed 2 Corinthians 3, sorry, 2 Kings 3, it's followed by a very famous story. It's a dispute between two women who were both given birth at the same time, both in the same place. One infant is thriving, the other little one has died. There follows a dispute between the two women, both of them claiming the living child as their own. They appeal to the king, King Solomon, who sits in judgment and after listening to the competing claims of the competing claims of parenthood, Solomon sends for a sword and he declares it's in his intention to cut the child in two so that the two mothers can have half each. The response is that the true mother pleads with King Solomon to give the child to the other woman rather than killing the infant. And it's that plea, it's that attitude that enables the king to know who the real mother is. Isn't that a lovely story? The wisdom that Solomon demonstrated throughout his reign as king of Israel came from God. He asked God for help and he relied upon that help throughout his life. God gave him wisdom. Wisdom is one of the gifts that Isaiah tells us will be granted to Jesus. And everything that we know about Jesus in his earthly ministry confirms that he had and he used the wisdom that he received from Father God. And that gift that Jesus received is also granted to those who follow him. Listen to what the Apostle James has written. This is James chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, if you want to look it up later. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and, who will, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like, is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I believe that all who humbly call upon God in faith will be given wisdom. 
whether that is to deal with an immediate one-off issue or more generally. I believe that wisdom is born out of faith. I believe that wisdom comes from an attitude of humble service to God. Wisdom becomes evident in people who follow Christ's teaching in their lives. Wisdom grows in those who grow in faith. We can see and become aware of the gift of wisdom in ourselves too. When we see and recognize God at work in our lives and in the world. When we see God at work, when we anticipate, when we expect to see God at work. And even more, when we develop the habit and the practice of seeing, recognizing and anticipating God's guidance to the point that we know what his answer will be because we've developed a kind of a sanctified common sense. That's wisdom. And that recognition of God's hand at work equips and enables us to look at the wonders of nature, the world around us, historical events and the ups and downs of our lives with deeper meaning. We're able to see God in everyone, in everything and everywhere. That's wisdom. Friends, do you have wisdom? Do you have that much wisdom? Well, ask for it. Ask for it. What did James say? If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give generously. That's what Solomon did. You can too. Heavenly Father, it doesn't take wisdom to receive wisdom. It just requires us to know in our hearts that you are faithful to your promise. And surely that is the starting point for so much in our lives. And that's wisdom too. Lord, help us to learn and to take with us an understanding and a humble acceptance that you provide. Amen.